thank you for joining The Collective today. The Collective is a storytelling podcast interviewing hairstylists and makeup artists. On today's episode, we have Alicia Bayonis. Alicia is a hairstylist and a makeup artist, including special effects in film and TV. She's also the creator and the founder of the Makeup Artist Planner. Thank you so much, Alicia, for joining us today on The Collective. Yeah, thank you for having me. Who is Alicia? Uh, well, I'm a film and television makeup artist, uh, pretty much exclusively. Um, I live in Los Angeles. Uh, I work locally in Phoenix, Reno, San Francisco, and San Diego as well. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much my jam. That's what I do. I do hair, makeup, and special effects. So let's talk about you doing hair and makeup, um, special effects, and film and TV. How did you get into film and TV? Where did your journey start? Um, so I started in like 2002, I went to a performing arts high school in the Bay area where I grew up. So I, I'm born and raised in California. Um, I did move out of state for a little bit. I lived in Nevada for a minute. Um, but before all of that, I, uh, when I was going to a performing arts school, I was really into theater and I really wanted to, um, do like dramatic theater acting. And then as, um, as that kind of, I went through high school and the program, I kind of decided after a few film studies classes and some stage design classes and makeup classes, um, I was really fortunate that my program offered that kind of uh, design avenue. I kind of decided that I sort of wanted to do things behind the scenes a little bit more. Um, I was a little more passionate about it. I went to class with actually somebody who's a really great voice actor out here now. Um, and she, when you sort of compare your passion, uh, I think even then I sort of knew that you need to be in, in this industry specifically, you need to be incredibly passionate, like unwavering. And, uh, I felt a little bit of waver in myself. So I decided I really wanted to do, um, behind the scenes type of work. So, uh, I went to college and, uh, I dropped out after a semester cause I took an English class and my teacher, made us write this essay about any job we could have in the world, uh, real or fake, just do some research, decide if it's something that, uh, you know, you could do. And I think looking back, she was really just trying to get us to sort of figure out a pathway for ourselves. Um, luckily she was my freshman English teacher. And, uh, I, I was like, you know, makeup was a lot of fun and so was set design. And I think that would be really fun. And I've always been a huge fan of horror movies. And as I'm doing my research, I'm looking into special effects and I was like, Whoa, like, this is actually a job um, that you can do and I can go work in movies and not have to be in front of a camera. And um, it started to really pique my interest. So I wrote a letter to uh, the owner of the company, Bloody Mary. I wrote to a few makeup artists, but she was actually the only one who wrote me back. And um, she sort of guided me to go to school at Joe Blasco. And she was like, if you're interested, school might be a good route for you to take. Um, here's a couple of links and let me know how it goes. And so I, uh, hit up the school and I got an interview that summer after I was done with that semester. Cause I think I started in spring semester. Um, so I went and did an interview at the school and I, I really loved, um, all of the teachers and the staff. And I really loved the school director. And I, it was weird. It was one of those moments you walk into a place and you're like, I'm home. Um, so yeah, I just decided that I wasn't going to do college anymore because I honestly hated it. And <laughs> I went to makeup school and that was in 2004. So it's been like 16 years. 
Okay. Well, that's amazing that that teacher gave you that assignment and how impactful just that one assignment was. Had you, you know, stop and really think about things and sort them out. And, and so you contacted Bloody Mary and she directed you to Joe Blasco, which as we all know, Joe Blasco is an amazing school. And at Joe Blasco, I'm sure you got tons and tons of opportunities there. So what was school like at Joe Blasco? Um, you know, school was, uh, at the time, um, cause Joe Blasco is no longer in Hollywood. He's still doing school in Orlando. Uh, at the time we had packed classes. Like, I don't know, <laughs> this is like before YouTube tutorials and stuff too. So thinking back, it's actually quite surprising how big the class sizes were. I almost want to say we had two classes going to, um, there was, there was sort of different avenues, but the professional artistry class was like 11 weeks. Uh, and that class, I want to say, had 40 people in it. And then we had another class going at the same time with another 40 people. So sometimes we had like 80 people at that school at a time, which is mind-blowing to think about. Um, the days were basically like a full-time job. So you couldn't really effectively go to school and full-time and do a job. And they're, you know, you couldn't even be late five minutes because they're trying to train you for the industry that, that we're working in. You can't be five minutes late to work <laughs> on set ever. Um, so it was just, it was really intensive. Every week was a different topic. Uh, we worked on each other. Um, we got really lucky in our, well, at least my teacher was working at the time on the show, Desperate Housewives. So he would step out a lot, uh, cause it, had, it was the first season of that TV show. So, um, he would have a lot of guest artists come in and speak and give us sort of like their, their real life rundown. Uh, we had a lot of really neat demos and they would, they were like a really cool substitute teacher. Um, so we had people like V. Neal and Art Anthony, uh, David DeLeon. We had a ton of huge artists. Uh, and I really didn't have a scope of who these people were at the time because I was just sort of deciding that this was something I wanted to do. So when they'd come in and show us their portfolios, it was like the most exciting thing on the planet. And then you'd go home and research who they were. And it was really exciting. But um, we had a ton of in-class in practice. And one thing that uh, I that happened when I was in school is they started doing a two hour, it was sort of like an intensive after school. So you went from like eight to four and then from 4.30 to like 6.30, we were allowed to stay and do like a focus thing. Like one night, one day would be eyelashes or eyebrows. Like you would just work on one thing in class. And I had a job at the time. Um, I was working as like a cashier at Ross <laughs> and um, in Studio City. And um, I decided one Saturday, like I, it was maybe two weeks into class and I, I just felt like everybody was sort of leaping ahead of me um, on those individual skills and I felt like I was missing out a lot. So I ended up walking out in the middle <laughs> of a very stressful day at work on a Saturday in Studio City. <laughs> um, and then just decided I was gonna start, uh, you know, I was just gonna live on my savings and do what I needed to do and see if I could work on the weekends someplace. and make sure that I took in as much of the education as I possibly could. And even on lunch, um, they had a really great library with a lot of VHS classes on it. And we would sort of huddle around the like two computers <laughs> and uh, TV in the office and try to absorb some of the, those lessons as well. Oh, amazing. So working at Ross and you're just, you get to that point where it's like you just know that you felt like you were missing so many, so much stuff. Right. And so you just got to that point where you're like, I've got to go, I've got to do this and I've got to make this happen. 
I was exactly. And I was like 18. So, you know, it's like throw caution to the wind, you're invisible. So I was like, I don't care. I don't need a job. I have savings. It's fine. <laughs> you don't realize right. how you're going to burn through it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think though, even now, like, even though you're not 18 anymore, I still feel like yeah. there's certain situations that we, um, just in life in general that we get in and then we're like, no, this isn't working. And then we immediately make a detour and in, into the right direction, you know, or not that it was a wrong direction, but we immediately make those changes that we know we need to make. And sometimes they're super fast like that. And sometimes they're not, but I feel like sometimes those are the best things that we do. Like some of the best decisions we make are all of a sudden, you know, totally. out of nowhere. I think that really goes to say like, it's sort of a good sign for somebody to be freelance if they can make those quick decisions and just decide like, Nope, I got to detour. Like I'm taking a right, forget it. Like, you know, kind of absolutely abandoning an idea quickly and accepting quickly that it wasn't going to work and you just got to go a different direction. So I think if, you know, people are considering if freelance life would be good for them, I think that is a good sign if you're able to, to do that kind of decision-making quickly. I completely agree. I think that's one of the reasons why I love freelance because then I'm not stuck in one particular yes. world, you know, yes. for too long. That's awesome. So after Joe Blasco, so once you um, finished at Joe Blasco, then where? Like, did you just, did you immediately start working on sets? Did you, um, you know, go to another school once you finished there? What was your journey from there? So it was kind of interesting. I, um, I, I was having a hard time because I don't, you know, I don't come from a family that knows people. My my dad was a um, a dispatcher for a trucking company forever. Uh, my mom was in insurance, and we didn't really have any family that um that knew anybody here. And I, that is a huge part sometimes when you're first getting started of um, getting started. And I didn't know any makeup artists. And uh, Bobby um, Bloody Mary, who I was talking about earlier, um, I. I I don't know why I didn't reach out to her until much later uh, in my career, but um, she was she owns a makeup company. So while she's working on set, she's more government contracts, and uh, she makes a lot of the makeup at like Hot Topic, and she makes a uh, war paint for the government. So it wasn't I, I, you know, thinking back, I guess I could have contacted her, but I'm not even quite sure where she is based. Um, so I uh, went to and got a job at Friends because I had retail experience, so a beauty retailer. I, I thought that that was probably my best avenue of being able to touch makeup every day and hopefully touch clients. And uh, it had turned out like that it was more of a just a retailing environment. You weren't really touching anybody um, because it's more like professionals that come in, which had its own great um, its own great sort of uh, platform. So I got to talk to a lot of artists to this day, you know, some of them I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe now I realized that I had gotten to have a conversation with that person. And I, um, I had a lot of artists come through and show me really great comp cards at the time when we were still doing comp cards and, uh, great portfolios. And they were looking for, you know, just like specific products or you'd help them shop. Um, so that's kind of how I started. And while I was there, I was hitting up Craigslist like every single day. Um, <laughs> good old Craigslist. And, um, because at the time, I feel like a lot of the indie work, uh, it wasn't terrible. You know, it's it's pretty bad on there now. It's sort of the dregs of the industry, if you ask me. But uh, at the time, there was actually some decent things on there. A lot of student projects, a lot of makeup artists looking to meet other makeup artists. Uh, Facebook was just sort of a thing. Um, it wasn't as prevalent. And Instagram definitely was not around uh, in 2004. So I had met a makeup artist on there that needed help on a student film. Uh, she couldn't do it. She had accepted a job and she'd sort of 
detoured into a different industry. Uh, same doing makeup, but um, she sort of was going moving into like corporate stuff. She didn't really want to do student films anymore. So I met her at um, at a Hot Topic <laughs> on Hollywood and Highland. Um, <laughs> it, it's kind of funny because I feel like Hot Topics somehow always comes back into my life full circle. Um, but I had met her there and we were walking around shopping and talking and we got along really well. And she was like, you know, I, I know you don't really have any experience to speak of, but this is a pretty easy movie. It's just two actors. It's a guy and a girl. It's very clean. Um, so if you want to do it, go ahead and take over. And, uh, I did it and I ended up getting, cause all of those film students, especially this was for UCLA. And I feel like a lot of colleges work this way, but they're all in the same program. So they're all working on each other's projects. So that one film turned into six months worth of student projects. And while, you know, you're making 50 to 75 bucks a day on those movies, cause they don't really have large budgets, you know, barely even able to pay you minimum wage. Um, I was able to sort of pay my bills uh, <laughs> working on those movies. And I met a lot of really great people and I sort of built a little bit of a resume and a portfolio. But I will say once that job happened, um, it was sort of, you either work this retail job or you leave because they need you. I was full time. So I ended up quitting at Friends. Um, I think I only worked there for like a month to be quite honest. Um, and then I had gotten that contact. So um, that sort of worked out. And then she ended up hiring me on a feature. Um, and that was my very first feature. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> at the time. You think you know everything and I had no idea what I was doing, but um, I learned a lot of lessons on that hard, hard lessons. <laughs> um, but that's sort of where it started. And I think once you start to develop an IMDB and you you spot other jobs or you meet people or you meet other makeup artists, um, you know, once you have a little bit of work to speak to, uh, people are a little um, more willing to sort of hire you in knowing that you don't have a ton of experience, but you know, your personality will kind of speak for itself sometimes. Yeah, I agree. It's once you get started on those jobs and then you start meeting the other artists and then they start referring you when they can't do jobs or when they need someone to work with them. Um, yeah, I feel like that's, exactly. yeah, kind of where it all starts. So I just keep thinking back to the people that you were exposed to, like, uh, V nil and David and Anthony at, at Joe Blasco. And then the people that you were coming into contact with at, um, friends. And I keep thinking that, I mean, I just like blown away at the amount of people or not the amount of people, the caliber of people that you were exposed to early on. I just, I'm like, I can't get past that. I'm like thinking in my head, like being able to be taught by some of those people. It's just, I, I don't even know the words like astonishing. It really um, is. And it's, it's even crazier thinking that I had no idea who these people were <laughs> at the time. It's, it almost seemed like I'm so grateful now for that experience. And I, I wish I had realized at the time, um, how big of a deal those people were. I wish I had done a little bit more research about like specific heads in the industry. Um, so that as a, it's one of those things where like you wish that you had taken it in moment by moment more so um, when it was happening, <laughs> as opposed to thinking about it after the fact, uh, like, a, a, I wish I would have lived in the moment a little bit more. Um, but now I, I still remember everything about those, those lessons. And I still, um, apply some of those things today. Um, I know when V Neal came in, she was talking more about, um, she had started her brush roll company and she was making brush rolls and she had her brush company. And so she was talking to us about the manufacturing processes of that. So, I kind of apply that when I'm thinking about 
products and things that I'm making today. Um, David DeLeon just blew my mind with his portfolio. And I, I remember trying to recreate some of the things in his book for final projects. Like my mind just kept going back to these like beautiful alien makeups that he had in his book. And he's, he's a pretty massive editorial type artist and he also does special effects and he sort of, he's one of those few people that can swing between the two worlds very seamlessly and the work is always gorgeous. Um, and I guess even then I knew just looking at his portfolio, like that's what a professional should look like. Um, so today I still try to organize my book the same way or my website and um, I still kind of hang on those things. There was a lot of character notes that I took from Art Anthony. He did a clown demo um, and he was, the biggest things were like how to use clown white properly and color and character design and um, and all of the, the the crazy things that go into specifically clown makeups. Like um, I remember he had told us there's like a, a directory of clown makeups that are, it's almost like a, an unspoken trademark um, between clowns that like if, you do your makeup a certain way. You're the only clown that can have your makeup that way. And I, I'll never forget that. And it was 16 years ago that he told me that. Um, it's so interesting. Those people. I didn't realize that with the clown makeup. I don't I, think I, I, I've never, I mean, I haven't done a lot of clowns. <laughs> like I've recreated, you know, like I've recreated Ronald McDonald for a scene um, on the act. And that was probably like, the only time I've ever done a like a, a real clown. Um, interesting. Side note: I just watched that. Fantastic job. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what time you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's a great. It's a fun. Um, it was fun. That was a fun project. So, um, the first feature film. I know there was tons of stuff that you learned on it because it was your first experience. Do you remember any of those? Like, do any of those kind of learning growing moments do you remember any of those stick out at all oh god yeah um <laughs> oh man so um one hard lesson I learned on that uh so I was originally um and I'm gonna be completely candid with the situation because it's uh it still sucks to this day but um one of the situations was I was originally only supposed to be on it for uh the first day or two I don't remember if it was the first day or second day and um I, you know, I got along really well with this actress. We were doing a really intense scene where these actors are screaming at each other and it's highly emotional. And uh, I even knew from all the advice that I had gotten and just working with other um, actors on those short films that like, it's really important to be there for your actors. And um, I got along, fortunately and unfortunately, I guess in this situation, really, really well with the lead actress. Um, and what ended up happening was instead of me just working the first two days, uh, she had gone to production and requested me. So it ousted the artist who hired me because um, they only had budget for one artist. And Hi. yeah, and it's like that strange situation where it's like, what what can I do? Like she she knew me because you stuck me in there the first two days. Uh, now I would have had a serious conversation with production and probably moved her back into the position anyway. Um, because I know now that that just really sucks to get fired from a job when you sent somebody to cover you. Um, that's sort of, uh, now the hard lesson there is that it sort of destroyed my relationship with that artist. We don't talk anymore. Um, and I totally understand, um, you know, but that's something, a mistake you make at 19 years old when you're first getting started. You don't, I was just, I think at the time really excited that they liked me so much and that I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm, I'm supposed to be doing this. And you don't realize the implication of um, replacing somebody. 
Um, so that was one hard mistake. But <laughs> also on that production, um, the last two weeks, I never got paid for to this day. So I also learned a lot about uh, deal memos and karma is <laughs> the easiest way to put it. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, I, I sort of saved her from, from that drama. Um, and I went through, there was like nine producers on that, that project. It did eventually come out. They kept passing me to one another saying, Oh, we thought we paid you blah, blah, blah. But on the, on wrap day, when they were supposed to give me my last check, um, everything was sort of in mass chaos. Cause we were shooting in a hotel and we were trying to get out cause we were on overtime. Um, I got the old, Oh, just come to my apartment tomorrow and pick up your checks. So I did. And he didn't answer the door, wouldn't answer the phone. Same day, same thing next day, same thing next week, calls knocking on the door, calls knocking on the door. And at the time, I mean, I'm going to tell you, we were making a hundred dollars a day on this movie. It wasn't a lot of money. Um, but it's that amount of money is devastating when you've, you know, been putting your own gas in your car and you know, you're relying on those paychecks. So um, there was a lot of hard lessons from almost every side that I learned on that movie. Um, luckily, it came out, I mean, the movie's so-so, but uh, I got a lot of re really great footage out of that, and one of my first reels came from that. Um, there was a lot of really hard lessons looking back on that. Yeah, those are good lessons, though. I mean, you got to learn them, and I feel like those two specific instances, like dealing with deal memos and, and contracts and... Um, are like artist relations, like all of those things, you kind of, you can be told these things and you can be aware, but until you're in the situation, um, I feel like you sort of have to learn those, those tough things on your own. Like you don't really know what works and what isn't going to work until, uh, until you're happens. in. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So, and the, and the situation with the talent too, you were so young. I mean, honestly, like it, and with it being your first big, um, your first feature, I mean, you, uh, Honestly, like if I was 19, if I was in that situation, I would be like so excited that they liked me. I yeah. mean, to be, you know, I mean, looking back now, I'm like, like my heart hurts when you're talking about it. But oh. I mean, but it, at that time, I would have been like, oh my gosh, they love me. And yes, I'm on this for the rest of it. You know, like it would have been huge. Right. So I, I totally get it. Um, yeah. I, I just didn't question it because I was like, oh, well, the actress, like they legitimately came to me and said, the actress, we know that you're here replacing somebody for a couple of days. But our lead actress requested you. She's really, you know, enjoying working with you. Um, so, you know, that's what we're going to do. And I asked if I was going to be working with this other artist. I said, are, are we going to bring her in? And honestly, even funnier now, looking back, we did need two of us. Like, I was just like, oh, I can do everything. We had a large cast um, on most of the days. And it really could have, had I known at the time, like, it really could have benefited to have the conversation. Well, she is the lead. I'm just going to turn over my book to her. And when you need a second artist, I'm more than happy to come back. Or if you want to hire me as, uh, you know, this actress's personal, I would be more than happy. Um, that would be a conversation I would know how to have today. Um, but like you said, you know, when you're a kid, you don't, you don't really know <laughs> the, the terrible mistakes you're making until later. Right. Totally. I mean, yeah, but those are good lessons to learn early on. Yes. I mean, you know, like you didn't have to deal with that later, which is, it's, it's good, <laughs> you know, it's good to get it over with and to learn and grow from that experience early on for sure. Totally. I'm glad it happened on my first feature and not later down the line, you know? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. And then, you know, like, because then you've, by that point you've worked with so many people and, you know, it just gets easier and we yep. learn, 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 learn. Yep. So from that feature film, where have you gone now? Um, so now it, so after I worked on a few features, um, <laughs> 
And I will say that whole uh, karmic experience of not being paid has sort of kicked me into like, I'm, I'm broke. Um, so I ended up having to move home with my parents who at the time lived in the Bay area. And then at that time, while I was here for, I was doing fine for a couple of years and they were like, well, we're going to move to Nevada. So, um, you know, they, they switched jobs, they moved out of state and I was like, well, God, now home is Nevada. Like, I don't even know what to do. So I had to move home, um, for like a year and a half to get my finances back in order and not have to pay insane rents, <laughs> um, in LA. So I moved home and then while I was there, I was like, okay, well, what can I do? And so I sort of went back to the mentality when I got my job at friends and I was like, okay, I'll go work in like beauty retail. Cause at least I'm practicing, I'm touching makeup. I'm it's something to do with, uh, the field I'm going into. And, um, so I went and, uh, applied at like a local department store, uh, in Carson city because <laughs> they, they didn't even live in the good part of Nevada either. <laughs> they lived in like the little <laughs> tiny town <laughs> capital. People don't know Carson City's the capital. Um, and that, uh, that department store had a Clinique counter and they needed a, um, like a part-time beauty advisor. So I started as a part-time beauty advisor. My boss ended up leaving and going to a bigger, um, bigger store. So I ended up taking over the counter manager position and we grew that counter and grew that counter and I worked super hard. And then they ended up transferring me to Chico. Um, and then in Chico, they really were for people in the beauty retail world. You kind of know that like, if, if, um, you're on a smaller counter, a million dollars is like the goal. Um, at least it was, I mean, this was years and years ago. Um, it was very exciting to try to grow a business to a million dollars. And, uh, so that was my goal. And I kept telling my executives, I want a million dollar counter. I want a million dollar counter. And it was like, it was kind of fun playing with numbers and money and trying to figure out how we can leverage certain things to, uh, make these massive goals. And so she moved me to this counter that she considered needing to be saved. Um, and it was just under a million dollars. So she, that was our goal. But then, uh, this is all like 2007, and then the recession hit. <laughs> so there's no making those goals. Um, unfortunately, because of the recession, um, this very small, it was a very tiny company called Gottshocks and they went under. Uh, nobody could buy them because it was the recession. Um, so I ended up losing my job. And then we um, we sort of figured out a way to get me back to LA because I, I had to sit and have a moment with myself and I'm like, okay, I really want to go back into movies. The only way I can do this is if I transfer my job somehow um, so she ended up, my executive found me a position in, uh, Orange County. So I moved back to LA, Orange County area. I was in Long Beach for a long time, um, to a Macy's instead of Gottschalk's. And I, after a couple of years being an assistant counter manager there, it was a massive counter. It was like $2 million, um, a year. Uh, I had a massive team. It was like 10 of us on that counter. Um, I ended up going to, benefit for a very short period of time. And then I got a job as an account executive for uh, Napoleon Purtis. So that was sort of my trajectory. And then I had sort of a major life event happen in 2013. Um, uh, I caught like a crazy virus, sort of like what's happening now, <laughs> not to date this podcast. Um, but I caught a really crazy, very rare virus. And uh, it really made me when I somehow <laughs> survived it. Um, I really reevaluated all of my goals and my, uh, the things that I wanted in my life in general and retail wasn't one of them. Um, I was trying to really evaluate like what makes me happy because I, you know, I, I shouldn't even be here today. Um, so I really had to sit and be honest with myself, like what's serving me, what's not. And if I die tomorrow, what am I going to like, 
what am I going to be sad about um, going forward? And it was a it was a relationship, my health and my job. And so I decided um, the next I'm going to start hitting freelance really hard. And the next feature that I book, I'm going to quit my job. Um, and that's what I did. So like I started saving all my money, all my freelance stuff on the side just went into a savings account as if it didn't exist. I lived on my retail paycheck. And then the minute I booked a feature, um, you know, it wasn't a lot of money per day, but I was like, I, this is the promise I made myself. So I quit. And that's kind of how I ended up back in freelance. And I'll tell you just from that one project, um, it just sort of kept snowballing and snowballing and I never had to go to retail again. Awesome. I started my first retail um, at a counter was Clinique as well. Oh, crazy! So, <laughs> so that's fun. They're really good um, to work for. <laughs> they are, yeah. So I, that's so funny. I love it. I love that story. And I taught, um, I taught within the Paul Mitchell schools for a while, and um, yeah. And I, as makeup specialist, I was always telling my future professionals. I thought that, and I still to this day think that that is one of the best first experiences you can have because you're touching so many different faces. So, you know, different skin textures, different face shapes, different skin tones. I mean, there's just like different skin types. It's amazing. It's the people, move. I'm sorry. It's just such a good move to, to work on a counter. If you, you know, you really need to practice and get experience. Like as, yeah. as painful as retail can be, right. Yes. Like, the amount of diversity that you touch every day is just like immeasurable. You can't do that with your friend group. You know, you can't, I mean, unless you know a hundred people that are all different, you know, yeah. ethnicities and t skin types and ages. And it's just immeasurable the amount of experience you get doing stuff like that. Right. And then on top of that, you've got like what you were talking about, the whole financial aspect and, and growing those numbers. I mean, taking the information that you learned from that and then putting it into your freelance world, it's brilliant. It's, so. it's, it really is. It's, it's kind of like where you cut your teeth on, um, as, as much as I don't like to say that what we do is sales, it sort of is, um, you know, you're still, there's still money involved. So it's, while it is service, um, especially when you work in, in production with producers, I feel like you're sort of riding this weird line between service and sales. Um, cause you need to sell them on the reason that your rate is what it is and what, why your, uh, kit fee is what it is and why the budget needs to be what it is. And you need to be able to speak to all of that. So I feel like if you go from like managing a business, um, even something as, you know, innocuous as a counter, um, even doing something like that, you can speak a lot better about numbers and managing money. Uh, and there you're, you're a little, you have a little edge on being able to start a little higher in your department, as opposed to just coming in as an assistant and working that way for a really long time. Producers are going to be a little bit more apt to hire you as like a key or department head because you know how to manage money. Absolutely. So that first, that not the first feature film, but the film, the feature film that you did and decided like I can. I can leave the retail world. And then you said snowballing. So let's talk about that. So snowballing from one film onto another, because I think that networking is so crucial mm -hmm. in our industry. And when you refer to snowballing, tell me what that is for you. So it's like you're on a movie and there's 15 to 20 people. This was kind of a smaller project. Um, and I got along, I was 
in that movie particularly, it was a one location movie. It's like a sci-fi movie. And uh, me and the wardrobe are shared a space. So we were in one room together all of the time. Um, so it's, you know, you're together 12 hours a day in one tiny room. Um, and they're, they were, it was kind of an interesting situation. So we had cameras sort of locked in different uh, different corners. So it sort of looked like CV television. Um, so we couldn't really roam in the house. So uh, we had no option but to be friends. Um, so meeting her, she had brought me on to a couple other small projects immediately after because I'm fresh in her mind. We got along really well. Um, we're really silly. We laughed a lot. Um, so she brought me into those smaller projects. And then I had met a couple of people like the script supervisor and my director recommended me to a producer that he knew for another project. So, um, the, you sort of just get recommended um, based on, you know, how well you're getting along with everybody and, and how apt you are at doing your job. And it's, you know, and then you go into those small projects and then you meet like a craft service person that knows an AD or her husband's a producer or whatever, like all these people just sort of start recommending you and, um, and just bringing you on to other things with them. Yeah. It's so, so important. Um, not just, obviously in our industry, but in every industry, but it's so incredibly important in our industry when it comes to that, when it comes to networking. So throughout all these features that you've done, and I, I know that you do special effects and you do makeup and you do hair as well, but throughout all of these features, what are some other things that you've learned that you feel about have impacted your career thus far? Like, is there anything that stands out? Um, any other lessons that you've learned or any experiences that really stand out? Yeah, I mean, I would say the biggest takeaway, um, and this seems to be kind of the topic of conversation at the moment um, on socials between artists, I think like adaptability is the biggest lesson that I've learned uh, in over 16 years, adapting to different, um, just every, literal, literally every day is different. Um, so adapting to, you know, yesterday I had a trailer, today I have a closet. Um you know, yesterday I had an A-list actor who was super easy to work with. And now I have this nobody who is incred incredibly impossible to work with. Um, so it's a personality thing. Um, you know, not that the level of their career dictates how they're allowed to be, but it's just a little more surprising coming from <laughs> coming from somebody who's, you know, nobody. Right. right. Um, so to speak. They're nobody yet. <laughs> um <laughs> It's, it's all this, uh, this problem solving, um, the being open to ideas from other departments. Um, I actually remember I got one of the best ideas, uh, for a character makeup from somebody that I worked on that was an art director for a UCLA film, um, that I had worked on in those first six months of me working. I had this character that is constantly, he, he works in like a, uh, like a seven 11 type of store in the movie. And he's like a sidekick to this guy who's like a boxer and he's, he's like his best friend and he's constantly got like a Slurpee in his hand. And the art director was like, Hey, do you think he can dye his mouth blue every day? Like, just like keep putting blue dye in his mouth. Like he's, I want to see that he's drinking a Slurpee. And I'm like, normally, and this is one of those things where I'm like, I'm glad that I listened. Um, Cause normally you're like your art department, who are you? You know, um, I, I feel like some people have that attitude. Um, right. Was, That's actually a great idea. That could be really fun. And so we did, we dyed his mouth blue. And it's like one of my, when I watched that short film back, um, it's one of my favorite, favorite things of all time. Um, character wise. Cause it's just, it's so funny. Cause all you can think about is that this kid works at this like little convenience store. Um, 
so I think listening to other departments, um, being collaborative, um, taking ideas from literally anywhere and just assessing whether or not that helps drive the story forward and if that's going to fit within your time frame. Um, and on another note of adaptability, it's expanding your skill set so that if, you know, I know a lot of people only do beauty makeup, you know, learn hair because on, you know, when nothing's going in union worlds, you can do both. Um, learn special effects, even if it's basic injuries, tattoo creation, tattoo cover, things like that. That will, one of the biggest reasons that I've gotten to grow as much as I have in my career without having all of the initial connections that some people have as an advantage is that I've always been like, okay, I don't know how to do tattoos. I'm going to take this week to learn that on my time off. Um, and now I can do them and people will call me just for that. Um, I even kind of learned how to do some, um, some actual like visual special effects. So I got to work for two days on a movie doing pickups where I was just doing dust shots in the middle of a spaceship um, using CO2 rigs that we built for blood. So, you know, that gave me two days of work. It wasn't a makeup, it was technically art department, but being flexible and, and constantly working, um, on your skill set is going to be really, really imperative. Yeah. I, I, I'm like, I'm like, what you did? What? That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you were in a, you're in a spaceship doing what? Um, so yeah, it was cool. like, it was just these like dust shots of there, the shape, the ship is like, uh, some of the levers and stuff in the, the spaceship are breaking and right. so creating like these, um, little air pockets and stuff. And so we were doing like dust shots, like they'd pull the lever and I'd pull a, a trigger on my, it was literally built for blood. It was a blood rig. Right. Got it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, very cool. Yeah. You just asked me if I could do it. And I was like, yeah, I can, sure. I'll make this rig do that. <laughs> so, uh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're right. I think adaptability is huge for sure. Problem solving, yes, and adaptability, yes. I think those are huge within our industry. So I know that you learned how to do hair to, as a kind of like an adaptability, so to speak, right? Like, yep. Yep, because you needed to know how to do it. It needed to be done. And so you taught yourself or you learned how to do it, um, which is great. I There are a lot of makeup artists, especially like in the network, because I do a lot of stuff with like network TV news world. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of the news networks require that the artists know how to do both makeup and hair. So I do think that that's a quality, at least styling the hair, you know, to a certain extent. Yeah. It's always, it's never going to hurt you to learn yeah. how to do it. I have a friend but, who um, works in Australia too. And she was telling me that it's a requirement in Australia that you do both. There is no separation. So she's like, well, you would, we were actually joking that I could go work there. And um, she was like, yeah, you, you have to be able to do everything there because they don't have a separation. It's fascinating. And I don't, I don't think they have a union there either. Right. I don't No, they don't. I don't think so. Yeah. I was going to say, I know in the UK they don't. So I didn't think they did in Australia as well. So tell me about the planner. I want to talk about the planner because the planner is, I mean, I know the year seems to like, as far as everybody's planners have gone. um, (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's like we've just flown through a couple months, but um, I think the planner itself is brilliant. And I know that, um, again, I'm going to say, because you said adaptability and, and the planner, you've been able to adapt the planner to the current times by offering all these additional inserts. And so tell us all about the planner. So if the listeners don't know about the planner, tell us like what it is, what your idea was for it and kind of where you are with it right now. Sure. So 
the planner actually kind of started um, a few years ago. I just sort of had an idea. Um, to be honest, thinking about it, I think it sort of sprung from my retail days because I used to have to fill out like a daily business report every day. And so to me, it was just sort of intuitive to do my own personal business that way. Um, while I was at Napoleon Purtis, I actually took a class through Harvard. It's like a management mentor certificate course that they had paid for, thank God. Um, and there was tons of information in there about like, oh God, everything from basic business math all the way through like managing upwards and like, you know, basic everyday kind of, um, what I would consider to be more office side stuff. Um, but it was, some of it was complicated, like international relations and things of that nature. Um, so I kind of drew on all of that as well to create some of the content for it, but I was, I was kind of teetering on the idea of doing classes online. Um, I kind of was like, I also want to make this day planner. And I was like, you know, I could kind of combine the two of them. So I started to sort of draft like what that would maybe look like and nothing had really existed um, specifically, well, for freelancers, but also specifically for makeup artists that was sort of uh, a marrying of the two. Um, so I basically, as I was hashing everything out, I sort of wanted to make it so that the whole first half of it is educational and sort of guides you through, like, if you're going to be hardcore about your finances, these are some tools you can use. Um, you don't have to use all of them, but things like a basic business ledger that removes, you know, gives you the opportunity to put in your rates minus your kit expenses, minus your taxes. Uh, and this is how much I actually make. And then you can track if you got paid. Um, so you're not losing track of invoices. I know a lot of people like to use things like QuickBooks and Intuit and things like that. Um, I like a paper copy of everything because I've had heartbreaking moments where my entire book, uh, appointment book and finance app gets deleted on my phone or, um, or they don't update it and now your app doesn't work anymore. So I like a hard copy of things. I still use apps, but I kind of was thinking I sort of want a, a tool that's like multifunctional. So I, as I'm making the planner, it was like just your months and your days and your appointments. And then I had a few things in the front that were like things I've learned, like how to talk on a walkie talkie on set. And I thought that would be good for people that maybe work mostly editorial and are swapping over to work on a commercial, uh, but they don't necessarily know how to use a mic or uh, a mic uh, walkie because they don't do it every day. Um, so there's quick, like a quick guide to how like code speak on a walkie talkie. Um, there's like quick set lingo, uh, dictionary. So, you know, like if somebody's saying like, you know, pull it up, we're going to do a Dutch, like, you'll know what that is. You can be like, Oh God. And you don't have to like Google it on your phone. You can just like, I'm casually flipping through my planner. Oh yeah. That's what a Dutch is. Um, so things like that. <clears throat> um, I also wanted to make like a quick thing about like how you can plan out your day. So I, um, through the front of the planner, I wanted to kind of do a step-by-step -step of, um, of like how you could use each tool. And then as it started to develop and I'm showing it to people, I was like uh, getting a lot of suggestions to add a little bit more educational pieces in the beginnings of the month. And I was like, how cool would it be to have every month be a focus on a different business topic? And because I have so much experience going through the Harvard course and managing business, all of the topics each month, um, I wrote like sort of an opinion piece or um, a breakdown of knowledge in that specific topic. And then I spent a bunch of time looking at videos and reading books and listening to podcasts, reading blogs and pulling some of those references and then adding those as focus resources. So if you know there's a day that you're not busy, you could 
sort of read the topic for the month and then you can watch and, and absorb all of the resources, take notes, and then you can sort of focus on maybe negotiating for the month. So something, you know, you're not great at negotiating. There's something sort of for everybody um, each month to sort of grow their, um, what do you call it? Their skill set. Yeah. I mean, I think the planner is just brilliant. I mean, it has, it has everything that we would need. I, I'm kind of a nerd in the sense that I still like, I don't read books on my phone. I don't read books like on a Kindle or an iPad or anything. Like I literally, like I read physical books and I read several books at a time, but I literally have a stack of books in my car at all times or my backpack or like what, you know, whatever my current travel situation is like, I have multiple books on me. Um, and so for me, the planner is brilliant because I, I love to have that kind of like tactile, what I don't what the word with that word for that would be that I just am more prone to wanting a physical book than electronic. Um, so I think it's brilliant. And I also think like with the current events that are happening right now, you have all of these great like inserts for them um, that people can go on the website and download and well, you know, it's actually, it's funny because somebody on Instagram, cause I, I'm, I, I'm not terribly active on social media. I try to limit, um, my phone time, uh, as best I can. Cause I'm on my phone so much during the day when I'm working. So during this whole quarantine, I've been sort of trying to avoid being on my phone, um, as much as possible. But, uh, I had had a conversation with somebody that was like, Oh, what a bummer. Like I, <laughs> sucks. I bought a planner. Like, <laughs> and I was like, you know, it, I really could just modify the pages because I had already put out a thing. So uh, people, when they were doing inventory in December, um, were running out of pages. I ran out of pages because I have just an insane backstock. And because I do all three uh, sections of the industry, I really have way too much stuff. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to have to tape in a bunch of extra pages. I have to make them for myself. I'll just make them available. Right. So I just put them on the website as a free download in case people needed extras. Um, So I kind of thought about it and I was like, well, I don't know how long this is going to go on for. And I feel terrible that people have these planners they can't even use, like for the most part. I mean, there's so many webinars and things now popping up that I think people, you know, can actually utilize their, (laughs) their, their appointments now. Um, But especially in the beginning of this, I was like, okay, there's got to be other things we can do just like fun tools that can be free downloads. I have the time to make them. I don't mind at all. And I don't want anybody to, you know, feel like, oh God, I shouldn't have bought a planner because we need them still. And you're going to need them the minute that we get back. Um, hopefully sooner than later. But, um, so I made like a quarantine boredom bingo. I made, um, I did like a project planning sheet where you could sort of decide if you wanted to do like a personal or professional project and what your budget would be for that. And like the supplies that you might need. And just so you could sort of think out, cause you know, a lot of things are closed. So you could sort of think out like, Oh, I can do this project now because I can, that store is available or whatever, or if I can get the supplies online. Um, I think there was like a, oh, and I had like a self-reflection page too, that I was like, you know, I would actually love to use that page to journal in. So I was just trying to think of things that I would like to use uh, during this downtime to sort of like self-reflect and sort of keep a positive mindset and, um, and just use the days when I needed to. So I've made two different quarantine packs that are available. Uh, they're totally free and same with the inventory download. Uh, I think I'm going to make a third one that'll be available probably in a week or so. Uh, but they'll stay, I'm going to leave them on the website as long as, um, this planner is available. So yeah. 
And what's the website for the planner? The makeupartistplanner.com. Perfect. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. Cool. So I have one last question for you. What would 2020 Alicia tell 2010 Alicia? If you were to have a conversation with yourself today, with your 2010 self, what would you say to her? I think that the biggest takeaway I've had over the entire time, and I think a lot of artists in general get quite in our heads about things, is that I would tell 2010 me, you know, everything's going to be okay, especially right now. Um, You're going to go through some things. You're going to burn some bridges by accident like I did. You're going to not get paid for jobs. You're going to cry. (laughs) You're going to scream in your car on the way home from a job. And then the next day you're going to get the best job you've ever had. Um, You know, there's going to be heartbreak and there's going to be a lot of turbulence. Um, And then there's also going to be a lot of joy and happiness and easy times. Um, So, you know, just not worrying so much in the moment about what's happening to you at at that moment and where your career is compared to other people that everything's going to be okay because you're you're opening yourself up at the right time for the right opportunities. And even though it's not happening to you right now, it will, you just have to keep working hard. And I think that would be something that I would definitely say to my 2010 self. Yeah, that's beautiful. So where can we find you? What are your Instagram handles? So my, uh, my like work one is at Alicia movie makeup, uh, no underscores or anything. And then the planner is just at Makeup Artist Planner. Thank you so much, Alicia, for joining us today. It was yeah, so much fun. Yeah. And, and thank you for my amazing planner. I adore it. Yes, thank you. you. Down memory lane. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. It was so much fun. Yeah, it was a blast. If you liked what you heard today, please give us a like and follow us at The Collective Pro.